Hi, I'm Don Cameron. And I'm Kat Lebricks. We're your co-hosts for an intellectual property law podcast series brought to you by Bereskin and Parr LLP. You can find our episodes at bereskinparr.com forward slash podcast. Go there and you can access all the episodes and additional information on each topic. We hope our listeners are in good health, staying positive and safe in these unprecedented times. We would be remiss if we didn't start by thanking all the frontline workers that are risking their health for ours and thank the rest of you for staying home and for listening in. So we're recording these podcasts in mid-April in the middle of the stay home order. Um, So we're recording these from our respective spare bedrooms, studies, basements, closets, etc. So the audio quality (laughs) may not be as good as it usually is but we guarantee that the content quality remains at its highest level. Today, we bring you a special podcast on AI in the healthcare industry with our very own Izzy Calder and Lawrence McPhee. While the AI healthcare space has been one to watch for some time, it is especially so now. The world and our daily lives have dramatically changed with COVID-19. In the global response to the pandemic, the healthcare industry is front and center, and innovation in healthcare and tech is also taking center stage. Many of you may have seen the headlines relating to the promise and potential of AI applications. From predictive modeling to contact tracing, AI is giving us hope. As one of our guests today eloquently put it, the power of prediction, because an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Our guests today are from our Toronto office. Uh, Izzy Calder is a lawyer and a patent agent at Bereskin and Parr. She's the co-chair of our AI group. She has a master's degree from the University of Toronto in electrical engineering. Um, Izzy builds valuable patent assets for clients in a wide variety of electrical and computer-based technologies. Lawrence McPhee is also a lawyer and patent agent working in our Toronto office. Uh, Before law school, he did a PhD on the genetics of complex traits at Oxford University. His practice focuses on drafting patent applications and providing legal advice to companies in the life sciences and at the interface of life sciences and computer technologies, such as artificial intelligence. I spoke with Izzy and Lawrence from their respective homes recently. Izzy and Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, These are certainly strange times, but I think this is a very important topic. Um, We look forward to hearing from you about a whole series of things related to AI in the healthcare industry. Before we dive in specifically to uh, COVID-19 related AI applications, Izzy, I was hoping you could speak generally to AI in the healthcare industry, and then maybe we could get a better sense um, of different types of AI. I feel like when we talk about AI, we all paint it with one big brush um, and breaking it down. And I know you have a, a really good um, bucket system to break it down. Um, that would be great. Izzy? Sounds good, Kat. Thank you. Uh, yes, I think, you know, it's a very exciting time um, in in technology right now. And uh, I've, I work with a lot of uh, really great clients in the AI space. Um, and I, I know that there's, you know, an awful lot going on in the healthcare space too. Um, and, and the excitement really is around how powerful data can be in terms of predicting things that matter in the, sort of the global healthcare area. Um, you know, just digging into the data, we can see that, you know, the global AI market uh, for the healthcare sector was $1.4 billion USD in 2018. 
and it's expected to go as, as high as $17.8 billion in U.S. dollars in, in 2025. So this, this is a very exciting time to, to be in this field. Uh, leading players are a, a fascinating mix of traditional health companies, high-tech companies, and also, you know, th these very cool high-tech biotech companies. So, you know, players that you'd assume are in the space like Google and um, IBM, but also companies like NVIDIA and Pathway Genomics and uh, uh, Intel. So it's just this incredible sort of um, ecosystem of, of uh, research and development. Um, and by region, you know, speaking as a Canadian, it's, it's really exciting to see that North America is, is uh, seen to be very likely to dominate the global artificial intelligence healthcare market. Um, and there's some very exciting players, as we know, here in Canada, in Toronto, Montreal, there's some very rich ecosystems there. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I, I'm working with a lot of very exciting AI companies, homegrown, um, and, you know, we see the patent strategies in terms of, you know, how do we protect this technology with patents? We see the patent strategy really um, sort of divided the field into, into three buckets. And so, you know, the first bucket is, is, a, is a fascinating one. It's fundamental AI. So this is sort of the core technology, you know, underlying a lot of the, uh, a lot of the work that's being done. These are the engines that drive the data analysis. Um, and these are by nature very technical and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say as a patent person, very patentable. Um, what we've seen, and I just did a quick check of uh, classification 706 in the U.S. Patent Office, and that is, you know, basically the pure AI machines. Um, there are over 25,000 issued U.S. patents in this area. And these, these are, you know, companies like the ones we've just mentioned, IBM, Microsoft, all these big companies have been quietly patenting you know, a huge number of, um, of cases um, over the past 10 years or so. And so this, you know, it hasn't been litigated yet. Um, these patents are, are sitting there, but they're, they're underlying, you know, a whole, that whole sort of uh, shift in, in technology. So that's a very exciting area. And we do work in this area. And essentially, you know, again, it's very highly technical and the patents, you know, are, 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 um, are, are pretty accessible. Um, in that way. The second bucket is embedded AI. So a lot of our clients, you know, they have traditional products, you know, maybe medical devices or, or services. And what they're doing is they're taking AI and they're using it, they're integrating it into what they make to make that product or service smarter, to make it better. And so AI is really there, um, you know, when data is plentiful and prediction makes sense, um, AI is being used to implement uh, functionality, sort of advanced functionality for these products and services. And so when we're looking at this type of technology, we really, you know, we really try to look at the overall system, talk about all the different pieces, all the different parts, the hardware aspects, the sensors, the actuators, um, and then also look at the feedback and sort of what's happening, what is the AI doing in terms of uh, control terms, in terms of the feedback, that the information that you're getting from prediction and how that makes the product work better. So that's a different kind of AI product category, the embedded type. Uh, the third kind is uh, very relevant in the healthcare area. It's expert systems and classifiers. So this is AI that's a bit, you know, used in, in sort of more abstract terms to carry out decision-making uh, predictions or analysis based on, on data, of course. Um, diagnostic um, functions, uh, the ability to, you know, discover new drugs, to do a lot, of, uh, a lot of data work to sort of predict what might be a good drug for a particular application. Now, these are a bit harder to patent generally because they're not, they don't fall in sort of the fundamental bucket, 
Um, you know, they don't kind of have a, have a data machine uh, to look at. But in this case, we're really looking on feedback control aspects and, and the practical application of what's what's being done. So, you know, those, that's sort of how I see the field in terms of the three different types of AI um, and, uh, and sort of how it touches the healthcare industry. Thanks, Lizzie. That was very helpful uh, conceptually breaking out the different types of patents. So, Lawrence, Izzy already hinted at one type of intellectual property uh, protection that should be kept in mind by AI companies in the healthcare space. Um, could you set out the landscape of the various types of IP that may be relevant in the uh, in the AI space, Lawrence? Yeah, thanks, Kat. Absolutely. And, and uh, the four types of IP that I, I generally consider are that are the, the big four types are, are patents, trademarks, copyright, and trade secrets. And as you mentioned, AC did a great job of setting up the types of technical inventions that might be available or patent protection might be available for those types of technical inventions. Um, but it's also important to take kind of a holistic approach, especially when dealing with AI. Um, the things like trademarks can help protect brands and identify the source of a product or service. Uh, not necessarily technical as the other aspects and patenting aspects, but can still be important. Um, copyright can be important in the AI space. Now, copyright protects original works of authorship. And we normally associate copyright with sort of literary or artistic works. But copyright protection can also be available for technical materials, things like computer codes, databases, or even compilations of data, which are very important in relation to AI. Now, trade secrets are also commonly used in, in this space. Now, Trade secrets protect the misuse of commercially important confidential information. Um, and this can arise in a number of situations. And, and one that comes to mind is where you have an employee who might have been privy to important information when working at a company. They may depart on good or bad terms and then seek to take that information to a competitor. Now, you know, establishing and carefully uh, you know, treating certain information as a trade secret uh, can help prevent that from happening and, and provide some recourse to the courts. So those, again, are the, sort of the four main categories of IP that we normally talk about, patents, trademarks, copyright, and trade secrets. Thanks so much. You've, you've outlined the basic IP landscape. So as we all know, data is the lifeblood for AI systems. It is what allows for um, AI to run. Um, uh, and from an IP perspective, data is a bit daunting. It's a bit challenging um, to, to deal with. Lawrence, do you want to comment a little bit about how to deal with data? When it comes to AI, you know, access and use of data um, you know, for things like machine learning is particularly important and critical. Now, data as it's pure information or as a, as a fact is not protectable by IP, but you know, there may be copyright in certain forms or expressions of data. As I mentioned earlier, databases or compilations of data might have copyright associated with them. And certainly in the AI space, you, know, you might use tons of photographs or other data in training, and there might be copyright in those photographs, you know, such as those used for image analysis or for other purposes. So it's important to consider you know, what copyrights might be associated with the data that you're using. Now, patents can certainly protect methods of processing data in order to achieve a practical result. Uh, you know, but there are, again, as you mentioned, there's three or four different buckets that you can typically, that you can divide patents or both technologies in this space into, and it's important to kind of adopt an appropriate strategy depending on, on what the company is doing. Uh, it may also be possible to kind of restrict or govern the use of data by contract. There's a whole sort of toolbox that we can use here to hopefully provide some protection uh, in, you know, in relation to, to a company working in this space. So I, I think it really is important to sort of take a tailored approach to protecting IP uh, for innovations in relation to AI and healthcare. Now, you know, for example, some companies might choose to file patent protection on sort of their publicly facing technology or, or for technologies that can be reverse engineered. 
uh, but they might maintain other commercially relevant stuff as a trade secret. Uh, they don't want to necessarily disclose their network architecture or perhaps their data processing techniques to the public you know, as required in a patent application. So it's really important to kind of look at strategy broadly and, and adopt what works best for a particular company. You know, and just as it's important to carefully consider your own IP and how to protect it, you know, you know, be sure to, to consider your freedom to operate and make sure you know what your competitor's IP looks like and whether that could possibly restrict your operating in the commercial space. Now, and finally, as we're talking about sort of healthcare uh, and AI, certainly healthcare data presents its own set of particular challenges in relation to privacy. So make sure you do some careful diligence there. Thanks, Lawrence. That's a great point on, on the privacy piece. I think that in the healthcare context, not only um, uh, do you need to be extra cautious with respect to data mining or text and data mining uh, or whatever your AI inputs are, but you need to be extra cautious because much of the data that you're going to be working with will be personal information uh, of individuals, which has a whole other regulatory regime that must be considered um, on top of it. And the other issue in the privacy space that has gotten a lot of attention recently relates to contact tracing and all of the privacy, um, all the privacy and various other uh, human rights implications that come with that. It'll be very interesting to see how um, governments and how we as, as citizens uh, address contract contact tracing um, and our personal information being uh, collected for that purpose. AI's Achilles heel is the veracity of the data. So of, e of equal importance are efforts related to improved and efficient testing. This is of course to help bring the promise of AI to fruition. Well, beyond the scope of today's podcast, there are several others at BMP that have been working on IP and initiatives related to testing technology. We have a few great articles on our website worth checking out. I think there's one by Noel Courage. And I also believe Tony Arce has been doing quite a lot in the space. Um, so, Bringing it all home now to the COVID-19 uh, crisis, the, in recent days surrounding COVID-19, there's, there's been a lot of talk around how AI may be able to help control the pandemic. Um, Izzy, earlier you said the power of prediction. I think that's um, uh, what many of us are, are hoping AI can offer. Likewise, when it comes to, to contact tracing, I think that there's hope that AI um, uh, technology can assist. Um, can you provide us with some examples, Izzy, of how uh, IP has been playing a role in uh, AI and the COVID-19 space? Absolutely. Um, you know, it is a very exciting area. And as you say, you know, the power of prediction is there, there's so much there's so much power there in terms of what it can do, how it can affect decisions that are being made. Um, so, you know, expert systems, you know, one of the buckets I mentioned, um, you know, AI powered expert systems can have huge, huge impacts on global health just because of the rich nature of the data available and the, and the impact of decisions that would be made based on that. So there's a great hometown example here in Toronto. There's a company called Blue Dot. They have technology uh, that uses AI to track, um, you know, to sort of watch relevant data and then predict the geographic spread of infectious diseases. And, you know, this is, they're not an, a super new company. They've been doing this for a while. Um, when the Zika virus broke out in Brazil, they were able to use their, their system, their AI-powered system, um, to predict that in January 2016, Miami would be a prime location for the disease to hit based on the connectivity, the flight connectivity from Brazil. 
And then six months later, they looked back in July 2016 and said, yep, the first confirmed cases were reported in Miami. So, you know, it's it just, it kind of shows you the power of prediction and, and the power of using data in a strategic way. Um, you know, they have a, a, you know, a really interesting patent portfolio with issued cases going back to 2013. They, they just had another set um, issuing uh, this past year. Um, you know, and so, so they're basically looking at um, worldwide movements of, you know, for example, this one particular case, 4 billion travelers on commercial flights. They're looking at data around human and animal and insect populations, climate data. So you can just sort of see the power here of synthesizing all this information and then using some, some really um, powerful predictive algorithms to, to kind of, you know, help humans make, uh, make better decisions and, and save lives. Yeah, thanks, Izzy. That's very interesting. And I think AI will certainly play an important role in hopefully, you know, dealing with the COVID-19 crisis and, and, and moving healthcare along. But, you know, it's also raised some other interesting issues in that context. And I, I think a successful patent system really needs to strike a balance between encouraging innovation and rewarding inventors, of course, but also safeguarding the public. Um, and there are some valid concerns that IP rights could possibly hinder R&D or access to kind of critical supplies during a pandemic. And we have seen some interesting discussions and some movement on that in the last week or so. I mean, the government just introduced some changes to the Patent Act and under the COVID-19 Emergency Response Act that allows it for broader compulsory licensing powers, you know, in response to a public health emergency that we're seeing. So this effectively allows the government or, or even a person specified in an application made by the Minister of Health uh, to use a patented invention without the consent of the authorization by the patent owner. And of course, normally a patent owner has sort of a monopoly power and they can, can control, you know, who has the, the right to make use or sell an invention. Um, now, patent owners will be notified if a compulsory license is granted, but effectively the government here can proceed without the involvement of the patentee or the patent owner uh, in order to get things moving as quickly as possible. Um, now, you know, this isn't all lost for the patentee or the patent owners here. Uh, under this new framework, the commissioner is also, you know, able to determine adequate remuneration, sorry, remove. <laughs> remuneration and the circumstances. So the patent owners will be rewarded to a certain extent, um, you know, for their advances that they brought to the table in order to deal with this public health emergency. Now, but for certainly for innovative companies working in healthcare right now, their first priority is to respond as best they can to the pandemic. And I think most companies are, are happy to see that this framework is there and will certainly work with governments and others to try to, you know, get a, as many solutions and a, and a vaccine out there as soon as possible. And on this basis, the issue that just because you have intellectual property rights doesn't necessarily mean that you should enforce them. And you really need to kind of, you know, pick and choose and, and consider your, your patent rights as, as a property right um, in a more holistic way. Uh, but certainly by having, I think, defined IP rights, you know, a lot of companies just feel more comfortable entering into collaborations and releasing their, their you know, work products and their data to the public. And, and we're seeing that happen quite a bit in, in the the last few few weeks. So, you know, two examples of that, you know, Medtronic, a large medical device company, has just publicly released their design specifications on a ventilator in the hopes that this will kind of encourage development and the production of more ventilators. Um, two big giants in the vaccine area, Sanofi and GSK, have also just recently signed a sort of a statement of intent um, in order to collaborate using intellectual property from both sides in order to work towards the vaccine. Uh, Sanofi is providing their S-protein COVID-19 antigen and GSK has provided an adjuvant that will really help hopefully the vaccine uh, turn into an effective uh, you know, medical intervention. So you know, IP is certainly important and I don't think it necessarily needs to hinder the response and the fact can help uh, to, to a pandemic like we're seeing.
Thanks, so much. It's very interesting, and it reminds me. Um, on you started talking about the um, the compulsory licensing uh, provisions, which remind me of the DOA declaration, which was uh, reached at the WTO a long time ago. And you know, it's not it's not as though this is altogether unprecedented. And and I think it, your, the point you made with respect to IP established IP effectively being a baseline to facilitate collaboration and give them a sense of of comfort moving forward, um, hopefully will 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 lay the groundwork for more. Um, open access and collaborations uh, and avoid the need for compulsory licensing powers to be um, evoked. Uh, this is certainly a very interesting time when it comes to, to IP altogether. And I think um, the comments both of you just made hammer that home. Um, so now, Izzy, turning to, uh, uh, turning to AI, how might AI help? And, and once we're through um, all of this with COVID-19, how may AI help the healthcare industry when the crisis is over? Mm -hmm. No, that, that's a really good, uh, good question. I mean, really it comes down to what areas are going to benefit the most from prediction and, you know, how best to harness the richness and the opportunities that are inherent to health data. So we're likely to see more R&D focused on, you know, medical devices, enhanced medical devices with more functionality, um, sort of to help patients, uh, you know, with results. Um, and of course, AI, big data insights, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, predictors and expert systems. And I think these are very powerful um, as the world is, you know, becomes even more connected um, for healthcare and infectious disease control. So I think, you know, the, the blue dot example we were talking about, you know, those sorts of companies are going to have huge impacts. Um, you know, not just on on sort of on sort of the highly um, infectious diseases, but all sorts of different types of diseases. Um, and a lot of the research is going to involve how um, you know AI will be used to figure out how can we deliver more efficient healthcare, how can we get it to the people that need it, you know, throughout the world. Um, and by the very nature of the area of healthcare, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So, you know, in that context, prediction is very powerful and it can have a very large impact. So, you know, we are definitely living in very exciting times. Lawrence, anything to add? Yeah, I certainly agree with all that Izzy has just said. And, and, I, and I think Canada has a remarkable talent pool when it comes to both AI technology and as well as healthcare and medical research. Uh, you know, AI is not a panacea for all the problems facing healthcare, but I think Canada can make a significant contribution to the future of healthcare, and AI will certainly play a central role both in, in life science research and trying to develop new drugs and new vaccines, as well as sort of the practical delivery of healthcare services. And, uh, you know, finally on that note, I think you know, having a careful IP strategy in place will help generate successful businesses in Canada that can deliver on that promise. So it is indeed a, an exciting time to be involved in this space. Thank you both for sharing your insights, especially in this um, this critical time when I think many of us are looking to uh, AI and, and technology as hopefully helping get through, us get through this time and, and fast. Um, so thank you, both of you, for, uh, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to our next one. Thank you, Kat. Thanks very much, Kat. Great speaking with you. You as well. Take care. Information provided during this episode should not be taken as legal advice. For Eskin and Park professionals, including Izzy Calder and Lawrence McVie, would be pleased to speak to you about how IP affects AI. You can subscribe to our podcast by visiting bereskinpar.com slash podcast. There you can access all the episodes, additional information on each topic, 
and stay on top of what's happening with IP in Canada. So subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you'll never miss an episode. It's free and it notifies you when there's a new one. Thank you for listening to today's episode presented by Bereskin and Parr LLP. Be well.